Welcome to the City Beautiful Church podcast. Thank you for taking the time to join our family as we strive to live together in heavenly reality. For more great content, visit us online at citybeautiful.ch. Everybody wants to move back to your seats. <clears throat> Welcome, everyone. So good to see you. Are we on? Is that working? Yeah? Okay. Great. Welcome. Come on in. Steve, take a seat. <laughs> Steve Wimmer, everyone. <clears throat> uh, so good to see you all today. Welcome, if this is your first time or second time especially. Uh, welcome. We're so glad to have you. Um, today, we're, we're beginning our process of wrapping up the year, and you'd think, well, that seems a little bit premature, but um, in the Christian calendar, next Sunday is the last Sunday of the year. Um, Advent is the beginning of the church calendar. Advent, the word means uh, coming. So we begin starting the, the story of Jesus all over again. So through Advent, we're, we're anticipating the coming of Christ. And so we go through Advent into the Christmas season, and then we do Epiphany, uh, and then we enter into the Lenten season where we're kind of focusing on the story of Jesus, walking up to Holy Week, which is like Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, if any of you are real fancy when you were growing up, uh, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, and then we kind of march through till Pentecost, and then we enter into something called Ordinary Time. I don't know why it's called that. <clears throat> I was talking about that with my parents the other day, they were mentioned... Uh, meeting the canon to the ordinary. And I was like, you don't want an ordinary that has no canon? What is this? Baptists? Come on, get that ordinary a canon. And it's not a basement, it's an undercroft. Fancy church words. Anyway, so we enter into ordinary time. That brings us through, and then next week is Christ the King Sunday. And I love that idea that we begin the story of Jesus uh, focusing on him as a baby in a manger, and we end it seeing him as kind of um, Lord over all, kind of king of the universe. And so we're going to be doing that next week. And I love that, especially this year, as we've been kind of over the past several years been increasingly taking up the church calendar to allow the story to shape and mold us, um, that our vision this year was all our allegiance to King Jesus. And so every year, our leaders gather together about this time of the year, and we worship together, we pray, we ask the Lord to speak to each one of us uh, individually, kind of giving us vision for what's next. And we bring that all together and everybody begins to share. And some people might have a scripture verse, or other people might have a vision or a word. Um, and we just kind of begin to listen carefully, like where are the, the threads that are binding all of this together that might speak to where the Lord's leading us next? So uh, for us, vision is not the responsibility of just me as the pastor. It's not the responsibility of just the elders, but it's actually our leadership team carefully listening and living life among you all that we believe that God begins to speak something and something rises to the surface to kind of help us to hone in on where might he be taking us the following year. So at the, at the end of last year, this is really what we began to hear, um, that this idea of allegiance uh, is a translation of the word faith. Uh, but for many of us, we grew up understanding faith as being something rather passive. Faith means trust, kind of tipping your hat at the universe and just kind of hoping everything works out uh, and just waiting uh, for whatever might come. And now, waiting is an integral part of faith, but it's not the whole story. But what if we actually began to pivot and to see that faith um, means allegiance, which is active, and it brings your whole person. Um, faith has to do with your mind, your heart, your body, and your soul, all of it being gathered up and following behind King Jesus, seeing him as the Lord over all, through all, and in all. And we began uh, the year when we were speaking of this vision, looking at Colossians chapter 1, uh, 15 to 23, and so I thought it would be very apropos for us uh, to finish out the year, coming back to that passage, and I'm just very curious to see as we, we're going to spend some time meditating on it, if the Lord um, has shown you something new over the past year, specifically within this scripture. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read this passage meditatively. It's going to be up on the screen. You're more than welcome to follow along um, on your phone if you like. 
Um, and I'm going to give you two minutes after I finish reading just to kind of sit with it and to allow the Lord to speak to you. And so the things that we're often looking for in our community here, as, as I'm reading, uh, what makes you curious? So is there, is there a word or a phrase that stands out? And it's not that you understand it. It's that there's a certain amount of awe and wonder around that because that might be the Lord highlighting something to you. Um, what are the things that really stick out that make your heart skip a beat or something that just resonates? Or maybe I keep reading and you get stuck on that particular phrase. It might be the Lord calling your attention to that because that's what he needs you to hear in that moment, okay? Um, perhaps, how many of you, you're, you're very visual, like the Lord gives you images, okay? How many of you, maybe it's uh, memories, the Lord reminds you of a moment in history, a few of you in your personal story. It's important that you learn how to understand the language that you have with the Spirit of God um, so that when we have these moments and you can enter into that in your daily discipline, um, you really know what it is when God speaks to you, what it sounds like, okay? And so we enter into these moments kind of knowing how God speaks to each of us, but also being willing to be surprised and delighted by what he might say. I think perhaps one of the biggest uh, leaps of faith that we can take is to believe that it's God actually speaking to us, right? If it's good, it's of God, okay? So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read Colossians 1, and you can take out your phones, you can quietly listen, you can read along, you can begin to make notes in your phone, or you can take that two minutes afterwards, whatever works best for you. But I'm going to pray, uh, we're going to launch right into this. Almighty Father, to you, all hearts are open, and all desires known, and from you, no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. The Son is the image of the invisible God. the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, or rulers, or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven.
by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So Holy Spirit, I ask that right now would you alight upon each of your dear ones here, quiet our hearts and our minds to receive your truth, speak to us in ways that we know what you sound like, speak to us in ways that make surprise and delight us. Lord, we believe that you want to speak to each person here today. Let's take two minutes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> Come, Holy Spirit. You know, I've been doing this for 11 years now. Um, and I don't know if it's just because it's my own story or whatever, but it feels like this past 11 years is maybe the worst possible opportunity to be a pastor. <laughs> just because society has changed so quickly. Culture has shifted so rapidly. And we're asking questions, not just within the church, but within, I think, certainly Western culture. I think that's the kind of space that most of us can speak from, that perhaps we never anticipated. And one of the things that I think has been increasingly laid bare, you know, many of you know that um, when we each ask the, word, the Lord for a word uh, at the beginning of the year in 2020, mine was apocalypse, which kind of means revealing or unveiling. Uh, one of the things that I think has been unveiled or revealed uh, in this season, especially over the past year and a half, um, is how 
not seriously the church has taken the centrality of Jesus. Amen? That when we're comfortable, when we think that we've got a seat at the table, when we think everybody's basically Christian, and we think that our nation's basically Christian, all these things, these, kind of, these ideas that we have where we're complacent, we change our religion uh, into one about following principles and following rules, um, just living moral lives and maybe God will approve of us. Um, uh, maybe some of us grew up with this idea that we, we come to God in order to get things out of him. He's kind of the giant ATM in the sky. Uh, and then all of these things begin to happen. We, we go through a pandemic like we've had over the past year and a half. We come through you know, one of the most vitriolic political uh, uh, seasons that we've seen in 100 years. Um, we see these massive cries out for justice, not just within our own country, but around the world. Um, even recently being laid bare, what late era capitalism has done to our supply chains in, around the world, like we're, we're struggling. Like we, we've been found out right? Like our society has been found out for the structures that we've lived under for so long that seemed to work until they didn't. And one of the things that I've continually come back to is that there is a vacuous hole in the center of the Western narrative where Jesus was supposed to be the whole time, but we forgot it because we made it about what we wanted out of him. We made it about the lives that we wanted to live, and maybe we tack Jesus onto that thing to kind of justify our original desires. And I don't know about you, but I've become increasingly suspicious whenever people talk about um, you know, Christian conservatism or Christian liberalism, because I think as soon as Christian is the, the descriptor, that means that Christ is just the descriptor. Like Christ is just there to justify the political beliefs that you already hold, right? And before long, we recognize that we're not really following a man. We're looking for a mascot. And I, what I find so powerful about a passage like this, as we've been looking at this time and again over this past year, is that King Jesus gathers up every created thing in himself and brings it all to new life. King Jesus gathers up everything. When we talk about him being king, that's what we're talking about. And what is it that every created thing Every created thing. And, and, and I love the way that Paul lays this out for us. Like there's, just, there's nothing that escapes Paul's vision of King Jesus and the way in which he's gathering it up. Things in heaven and earth kind of already covers it all basically, right? But he keeps going. He's like, is it visible? Yep, King Jesus. Is it invisible? Yep, King Jesus. The thrones, the powers, the rulers, the authorities, the Democrats, the Republicans. What? <laughs> it's all gathered up under King Jesus. And I love that we kind of see this in two ways, that time itself, time, like time, we are, you know, we are bound by two uh, hard, fast facts in the universe, time and space, right? And time itself is gathered up in Jesus, and that's what this is telling us, is all of time flows from him. Like it was created through him and for him. That means that the origin of everything, and we see this in the scriptures, we see this in Genesis 1, that in the beginning was the word and God spoke and the word was God and the word was with God as John echoes it in his gospel. So everything is created through Jesus and it's created for him, which means that every single iota of existence has an origin and it has a destiny. Everything, everything is suspended in him as the word, the logos of God. You know, sometime, one time someone asked me, you know, one, like, if, if God didn't reveal things to us, would we come to them by our own uh, intelligence? And I didn't understand the question. Because what it presupposes is that there's kind of time and space are just moving along, and every once in a while, God makes a cameo. You know, Zeus comes down off the mountain because we did the rain dance, and he, he gives us something because we whined about it long enough, and then he just goes back somewhere else. Like, how many of you, you, you grew up in that kind of religious setting? Maybe you said things like, whoa, God showed up. Didn't God just show up? God showed up. Well, where, where was he before? But we've internalized these ideas. Rather than saying, in him we live and move and have our being, if God were not present, every atom in your body would just fall apart. Like you'd fly off in a million different directions. Like that's who we're talking about. Like Jesus gathers up all of time. It is created through him and it's flowing back towards him. And that's as true of the cosmos as it is of you. Like your origin is in Christ. 
and your destiny is in Christ. And you're suspended between these two moments, allowing him to work in and through your story right now as he's bringing back together the thing that was torn asunder by the brokenness of this world. The thing we call evil. The thing we call sin. And we see that with time and space as they were created through him and for him. They've been shattered by evil. They've been shattered by sin. But it's Christ through his conquering death that overcomes sin, overcomes death itself, and begins to repair the breach. And so our allegiance is recognizing that we have a good and beautiful origin, but we have been shattered apart by evil in our minds, the way that we think, in our hearts, our desires, our emotional intelligence, in our bodies, we've been shattered apart by evil. In our souls, we've been disconnected from God. And the work of Christ for each one of us is he's gathering up all these pieces of who we are. And as we pledge allegiance to him as our king, as we follow him wherever we go, we're kind of offering him all of these different bits and pieces of what it means to be a human being. And we bring it before him and say, I don't know what you're going to do with this because I haven't had a whole lot of success so far. But I want to see what you're capable of. And that's what we call salvation. It's not some sort of one-and-done prayer. Salvation is a life of following Jesus and allowing him to breathe life into our stories. Not just our story, but the entire story of the cosmos. A few weeks ago, it was actually, this was uh, before my sabbatical, I was sitting with a a really dear friend of mine um, who's kind of, you know, going through their, uh, you know, kind of, deconstruction, working it out, trying to figure out what they believe and kind of exploring things beyond kind of the stock standard Christianity that they had inherited from their family of origin. And we're talking about what it is that I would do with my life, as many of you probably are always in existential crisis about what to do with your life. I'm no different. I'm not here for the paycheck. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm, I'm fine. But they said to me, they said, Are you afraid that your talents and your gifts wouldn't be of value outside of Christianity? And I knew what they were asking. They're saying, from the outside, it looks like to me that you're limited by being a pastor, by being in the church, um, and even in Christian thought. Like there's so many other things outside of Christian thought, and you have gifts and talents that you'd be able to do that. And indeed, there are a lot of people in my position who have made that transition. They've moved kind of beyond Christianity. They still use their talents and their skills. But it was another one of these kind of questions just because of the way that I've been raised up in Christ that I didn't really understand because for me, there is nothing outside of Christianity. Because many of us, we believe, okay, well, there's kind of a smorgasbord of options. This is how postmodernism works. Like, here's this big, long table, this potluck of ideas and philosophies, and there's Christianity, and there's some other religions, and there's other some philosophies, you know, and there's all these different things. And you just kind of take your plate, and you move along, and you pick what works best for you. I love that phrase, right? Like, when we talk about religion, we're like, well, what works best for me? It's like, who cares if it works that's even of itself, that's something else you picked up. It means religion and philosophy is determined if it's true because it works for me, which puts me at the center of history, puts me at the center of time and space. And there are people, like I said, that have kind of moved beyond the Christian realm and they do amazing work. Like, I'm not discounting that at all. I'm just not interested in that. Because for me, like, Christ holds all of it. Christ interprets all of it. And that interpretation is what we call Christianity. So I can't see a thing outside of Christianity because I think it's Christ that gives context to every philosophy, religion, idea, political party, um, identity, whatever it is that we're talking about, like the water in which you and I swim in that we can't even see it because it's right in front of us. Like Christ has already given context to it and he's doing something with it as he's repairing the breach. So there's nothing to me outside of Christian, like Christ and Christianity. So nothing else is particularly interesting to me. I told a friend this week, I'm like, if you're going to be an atheist, at least be an interesting one. Right? And our response of allegiance to King Jesus is to let him do what he intends with our stories. Our past, our present, our future. This is what it means for us to be gathered up in him 
but through him you were made, and for him you were made. One of the biggest revelations I've had this year is that we love to think that we're logical creatures, right? We love to think that we, ha- we are rhetorical, at the, like at the core. What separates us from the animals is that we can think goodly. You know, we've got like our structures of logic and, and we, we've determined like this is how we perceive what truth and reality is and aren't we so smart. And the reality is we are not logic-based creatures. I don't know if any of you have noticed that over the past year and a half with some of the decisions that some of y'all are making, but you're not a logical creature. You're a story-based creature. And this is what we're discovering a lot now is that we're all living out narratives whether we believe it, like when we see it or not. We're living out a story. And in fact, what will happen is that you have already predetermined the story that you're living, you've internalized it, and you're reinterpreting the facts that are presented to you whether or not they back up the story that you already believe in. That's how human beings work. That's why some of y'all can't stand your family. (laughs) Thanksgiving's next week and I pray for you. Because we're all living these different stories. And this has been, this has been proven um, in psychological assessments time and again that you will go to extraordinary lengths to protect the story that you think that you're living in terms of shutting yourself down to data and information that is presented to you so you can preserve your sense of self because of the story that you're already living. And so the question doesn't become, how do I dump stories and just give myself over to reason and logic? That's impossible because that in and of itself is a story that you've been told. You know, a lot of the the new atheists, they say these things like, well, there is no real kind of meaning story or whatever. And it's like, who told you that? That's a story that you've been told that you're kind of running along to see how far it'll take you. So the question becomes, well, which story is true? Which story is true? And the truest stories tell us about the foundational nature of space-time, of creation. They tell us, the foundational stories tell us something about God. They tell us something about how the world works. And they tell us something about who we are in our identities. I think one of the greatest gifts of the Christian faith to the world, especially today, is to speak about what identity truly means. That what if it's actually deeper than a lot of the surfacey things that we're grasping at to decide of who we are? In the West, the biggest ones, individualism and consumerism, right? Individualism, the narrative, the story is, I am my own, an island unto myself. I'm a self-made individual. I get to decide who I am, a self-made man, self-made woman, whatever, right? This is a story that we're told. And again, the irony being, somebody told you that's who you are, and then you believe that you get to decide who you are. But this hyper-individualism, and so when I come to church, I'm an individual kind of milling around with all these individuals. We sing some songs, we listen to some guy ramble on about the Bible, and then we go home. And that's it. And then we bring that into the church. Well, my salvation is my personal salvation. I did this. I prayed this prayer. I blah, 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 you know, so on and so forth. Like, it's just about me and Jesus. And I don't like the church because the church is full of a bunch of a-holes that don't know what they're doing. So it's just going to be me and Jesus, and we're going to do it. You know, these are, that's what individualism looks like within the church. Someone once asked the theologian Karl Barth, when were you saved? And he looked at them crazy, and he said, 33 A.D. And I love that little story because it, re- it just moves us away from individualism and puts it back firmly on Jesus. The second identity is consumerism. I am what I consume. If I have the right car, if I use the proper toothpaste, then maybe I will be happy and people will love me. You laugh, but this is how it works, I'm telling you. And we believe these, we just, we, we, when we talk about identity and who am I, and then snake oil salesmen come along and they go, I, I know who you are. Let me tell you who you are. And there are philosophers. There are politicians. They're running major corporations. They have microphones in churches. Let's not pretend like we're exempt from this. All these stories telling us who we are, which story is true. And it's tr- if it's true, we have to believe that it will carry us forward. But not in the way that we think it will. Because I believe that when we give ourselves over to the story of Jesus, when we pledge allegiance to Jesus as our king, it begins to reinterpret who we think that we are. And we very often end up in places that we did not think that we would be. 
but we have to trust that they are good and that they're actually better than the places that we would end up if we were in charge of our own stories. So I want to share, you know, we're going to enter in a moment of testimony here in just a second. Um, but I want to share like one story uh, from my sabbatical that I think is very indicative of where I've been um, over the past couple of years. So I was uh, really excited to spend time on the holy island of Lindisfarne in uh, northeastern England. See this photo come up. We'll have to bring down the lights. Um, so Lindisfarne is kind of uh, one of the, the centers of Celtic Christianity. So for um, probably like 1,400 years or so, uh, there has been some sort of Christian life there. And it was kind of the, the beginning of uh, the, the evangelistic mission to the Anglo-Saxons. So this is kind of North England up into Scotland. And so St. Aidan comes from Ireland, he comes over to Scotland, and then he establishes uh, a monastery on Lindisfarne. Um, and there's a lot of really wonderful uh, points to kind of meditate on who Aidan was uh, on this island. So there's a little village, 140 people, um, a lot of just space and these kind of holy sites. And I was, I was able to kind of walk around, and, and the thing that I found myself doing was kind of entering into these different spaces and just sitting there and saying, Okay, what do you have to tell, what are you here to teach me? Whether it's the statue of St. Aidan, whether it's like standing on the, co the coast of the North Sea, kind of like looking out over like, you know, gray seals and puffins and everything, or um, standing in front of this castle or this, this monastery, whatever, and just saying like, show me something, speak to me something. And off the island of Lindisfarne is this even smaller island, and it's called St. Cuthbert's Island. And Cuthbert, which is a great baby name, if you're in the market for a baby name, Cuthbert. Cuthbert Bar? Oh, I love it. That's nice. It rolls off the tongue. Um, Cuthbert becomes, he becomes the abbot of, uh, of the abbey on Lindisfarne. And, and as legend has it, as a child, Cuthbert is awoken by this angel um, that speaks to him of the death of St. Aidan on Lindisfarne. And so Cuthbert is raised up to take over. And Cuthbert, um, he, was, he was a beast. Cuthbert was like so immersed in the realities of God, he couldn't get far enough away from people. How many of you have had that day? So this is Cuthbert's island. Cuthbert would kind of wade out onto this island, and he'd just go live out there. And then at, like once a day, he'd like wave out of a window to let everybody know he was still alive. And then there's the Farn Islands are like that way. And he got even farther away, especially when he knew that he was, he was ready to, to die. He goes out into these like tiny little islands in the middle of nowhere. Um, and he was just this kind of amazing kind of mystic, spiritual sage, Celtic Christian icon. And I, and I, was, I was talking to the couple who hosts this Aiden and Hilda community on Lindisfarne that I was staying with. And we're saying, isn't it amazing in the era of celebrity pastors... Just celebrity Christians in general. How many of us are like super hyped when like our favorite pop star like becomes a Christian? You know? Because somehow it justifies our story and that we're living the right story. Like Aiden couldn't get far enough away from everybody. Like he was so the opposite of that. And I was like, and here we are 1,400 years later and we're talking about him and his, what he has done for the kingdom. So I was sitting there and I want to just, I want to read you kind of the rambling thoughts uh, that I had while I was sitting on the holy island. And if you can see, just in the middle, oh dear, sorry. Uh, if you can see in the middle, there's just like a, there's a little cross, um, and that's all that's on that island. And I wasn't actually able to get over to it. It was like 20 feet, and the water was, it's like 45 degrees outside, and I'm like, eh, I'm not that brave. So I just sat there on the shore and just said, what is, what is this island speaking to me? It's a profoundly simple cross. The essence of Christ on a tiny island. Just out of reach, it kisses the holy island with presence while seeming to withhold itself to Cuthbert. I see a cross in a place that has been marked holy for 1,200 years, more than half the time of Christendom. A cross that has seen empires rise and fall, religious fads wax and wane, and yet here it is, unadorned and plain and unmoving. It welcomes the birds and the seals and the wind and the water. It endures the seasons. It can be missed if we trudge along the path on our island, or it can suffer the most cursory of head nods 
before our attention moves on. It beckons to us, but it is not it is not dependent or affected by us. I want to build a bridge, dress up the cross, prove its worth, and beat over the head all false teachings that would distract the beloved. But this cross doesn't ask that of me. This cross beckons me, simply unadorned, more steadfast than doctrine, belief, practice, movement. A black bird alights upon the cross, a raven messenger between the worlds. This is a thin place that doesn't need us to bring a height. Cuthbert lived this way at that very cross, and we still follow him 1,200 years on. And it was this radical revelation of the things that we panic about and fuss about and worry about, and we're always feeling like we need to have the right answers and, da -da, and all this stuff, and it's like this thing has lasted and it's going to continue on it's going to keep lasting which story is true and which story carries us forward has it been proven true by time itself has it been proven true by space and so I want to give you another two minutes and feel free to pull out your phones and you can make notes to yourself because I think it's important that we're slowing down enough to ask ourselves the right questions to continue to immerse ourselves in this story and to see what it is that might happen, what might come to the surface. So I'm going to give you two minutes to ponder this and then we're going to share. How has King Jesus taken a hold of my story in 2021 and drawn me into himself? So consider your past, your present your future? What has he blessed this year in you? Maybe you started the year with a, a word from the Lord that was to guide you. How has that played out uh, through this year? What has shifted for you because of your active allegiance to him? Let's take two minutes. So feel free to continue to <clears throat> jot down ideas or to process with the Lord uh, as we go along. But, you know, it's imperative that not only are we uh, re learning how to read our own stories through the story of King Jesus, but that we're listening to those whom God has brought us together with in the church, that when he saved us, he saved us into a family, and that we're listening to one another to hear those stories so that it gives us hope and courage that we might stay the faith that we might continue on. I love that Paul speaks of that in, in the second half of Colossians when he says, like, once you were alienated, remember your own story. Remember where you were. But now you've been reconciled by Christ's physical body. 
And he says, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, because it's active, and it's moving, and it's not a one-and-done thing. It's not, a, it's not a status that you signed up for. It's not a certificate that you purchased, and now you're good. Like, your faith is something continual, and we need our stories, our mutual stories, to be able to help us to live into that. So there's a few people that have already uh, committed to coming up and sharing, so I'm going to bring them up in a moment. Uh, and then if we have the time, we're going to open up. We have two microphones on either side for some of you to come up and share as well. A couple brief things. Keep your testimony to about two minutes, okay? We don't need to hear about every single narrative that went through your brain before you got to the thing. And secondly, remember that testimony is the story of what God is doing that you've borne witness to, not what you've been doing and God at some point shows up in the story and we're just kind of waiting for the punchline. Okay, so that's the difference. Um, so first, we're, we're going to go with Katie. Come on up, Katie. And Tyler, you can start moving down over here if you want. No, I very specifically know what I'm doing. I don't appreciate this at all. <laughs> um, gosh, okay. So... Uh, in trying to uh, make two to three minutes, what I've been learning lately, um, it's honestly um, a lot of what you've been saying in the last 15 minutes, so thanks for taking it. Um, it's what you've been saying. But um, gosh, I don't know. I have always struggled with um, like sharing what I'm going through, especially uh, when it comes to my relationship with the Lord. And so how I feel like God has really shown me how he's moving in me and the people around me in this church, even in the past six months, is that idea of how our stories are so important and other people's stories around us are so, so important. It's not like profound or anything. So, um, But it's just... I don't know, uh, knowing that in your head and knowing that in my head my whole life and like feeling it truly in, like I feel like in my bones and in my like sinew, like feeling it the last six months has been really, really cool. Um, it's great, like all the things that have been said this morning are just feed directly into it. Um, I was talking to Sarah recently even about um, faith being an active thing and and a, a participatory thing, and that's something that shouldn't be new, but it's new, like, uh, to me in the last couple of months, and that the importance of sharing what we're going through with other people in our small groups, across tables, whatever. Um, I've always had the perspective that, that that's not always needed, because uh, if it doesn't fix the thing that you're going through, then why bother doing it, right? Um, and so, like, for the past... I don't know, six, eight months in small group, seeing that sharing your story, that even what you go through may not even be for you. It may be for the people around you, right? That like uh, speaking what you are struggling with may not, like the people in that room probably won't be able to fix it, but um, to be unselfish in allowing whatever you're going through to be something that uh, shows them the Lord in a different way, right? Um, so that's just been huge, and I see that uh, in our small groups here, and I see that in the church as a whole, and I see that um, in like as a theme, just coming back over and over again in all of our messages lately, and, and so it's just been really cool to experience like truly feel like I can see it and touch it and know the truth in the fact that we need each other in that very specific way. And it's given me and it's given the people around me, I feel like I've seen a lot of boldness recently with, um, yeah, just putting it on the table, putting what you're going through on the table and bringing it to everybody collectively because it's for everybody. It's not just for you. So, Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is just my view of God often is God is a teacher and I'm in class and I'm just trying to memorize or what's the next thing that I have to do? What's the uh, categories that I need? Um, and so this idea of 
uh, allegiance to King Jesus uh, is helping me to see that it's not just about, do I have the right boxes? Do I have the right things checked off? Um, but because I think for me, I'm going through a season of disorientation of these categories, these theological things. It's just a view of God um, changing. And so when I have this view that uh, I'm supposed to have everything in a box, uh, that those things clash. And so it's very disorienting. And so this idea that I'm uh, following Jesus, I'm connected to him uh, while I'm questioning these things has been uh, just really eye-opening of just peeling off the layers of uh, these things that I put on top of who Jesus is, um, you know, and kind of just from my own experience, my own worldview, or just what I, I've experienced in church. Um, and so I think just that idea of choosing allegiance to him while I'm, I have doubts, uh, while I have struggles, and I think in the midst of uh, experiencing that, I've seen Jesus as more beautiful um, I've, uh, I don't, I don't have this view that he's like up there with, like, like I said, with a teacher with the red pen waiting for me to, uh, make a mistake. Uh, but it's a journey together as I'm following him. Um, and so, yeah. And I think, uh, something that I was processing earlier when we were reading the Colossians is that, um, uh, hope is an orientation of life. That's like, okay, I'm choosing to go in the direction of hope. Um, so I'm feeling this disorientation. I don't know maybe where I'm going, but uh, I'm going to choose hope. I'm going to choose allegiance towards him uh, as I'm figuring it out. We'll do Jenna and then uh, Ellie, did I see you here? Okay. Yeah, mine's similar, Tyler. Um, I think I tend to get stuck in the nitty gritty details and it like weighs me down so I'm always like you know just tell me that one little thing so that I can figure it out we can move on um, and it feels weighty so I think what the Lord as Jesus has shown me is that the reason to pledge allegiance to him is because it's the most important thing um, I want to be a good wife great lay it all down for Jesus be like him present myself as a mirror that looks like Jesus to my spouse you know, there's no, it's, he's giving me the big picture versus making me stuck in the small things, what he's been doing. Um, I want to be a good mom. Great. Show them what it's like to sit at Jesus's feet with everything that I'm going through and need Jesus. That's my impact for them. Um, I want to be a good nurse practitioner. Great. Always be kind. Always be present with people. Exactly how Jesus was. Yeah. And I think I'm still learning this, but a huge thing um, to me this year was that God is better than the best thing he could ever give me. He's helping me to continue to understand the truth of the value of just being in his presence. So and there's so many verses, right? Like God calls me to come near to him uh, and believe. It's over and over. God says it. Jesus says it. Disciples say it. Um, it's not a chore or a demand or a hurdle that I have to cross. My word for the year was peace. So that passage in Colossians about peace, I like clinged on to all year. Um, and the reason why he wants to be near me is because he delights in me, which is a massive concept that I'm unpacking diligently in counseling. Um, like he finds joy in me, us, that's nuts. And he feels all of that way before I could do anything for him. Um, or attempt to earn it. That's just who he is. That is what he's saying to me. It's just who I am. Um, and only someone like that deserves my full allegiance. And I think knowing that changes the way that I relate to my spouse, changes the, relate, the way that I relate to my friends, changes the way that I relate to my job. Um, that kind of like big picture um, to be in his presence. Yeah. Ellie. Hi. Um, I think for me this past year, as I kept hearing the phrase and I was sitting there, is like, what do you do after an avalanche, you know? And like every different things, like you're saying structures falling and stuff and really having time, like the Lord kept telling me this the past year, really the huge value of protecting and finding and knowing your peace, which that is the Holy Spirit. And for me this last year, the Lord, like in community, even just, man, the Tomptons, poof, I don't know if you've not met them, but they're like the most peaceful people I've ever met in my life, um, which 
So the Lord is showing me of like cleaning out my own heart. You know, so many times we welcome the Holy Spirit and then we have this guest. We realize we didn't make it an inhabitable place for ourselves. You know, and what happens in that the Lord showed me is he doesn't leave and come back when it's clean, but he stays with us in that. And whether that's like pain and hurt, like for me, like, you know, for once, like things happening in my life where I'm like, oh, I didn't, I didn't cause this, but this really, really explicitive word hurts, you know, and the Lord really seeing him there. And for me, that was uncomfortable, you know, and in community, that's what makes it more comfortable is my reaction is when we experience either immense joy or pain to like go on my own and process it. Because sometimes I can feel lonely in that, but the Lord's presence in that has just been really realigned in that. And especially like for me with my like small group. I didn't want to go to small group again, honestly. But yeah, I just think again, like protecting your peace and the Lord being in that peace, you know, even when we don't feel that way. So Hi, um, my name is Sarah, and I kind of wrote down what I was going to say because I spoke at the Alden Wake, and I don't remember what I said. So um, this is really important to me, and so I, I made some notes. I'll be looking at my phone. Um, but what has God been doing in my life? Uh, I feel like, um, as I'm sure many of you guys here can relate, um, Ryan has like a wiretap into my personal life and is just speaking directly to it at all times. So um, I've been going through a season of disorientation. Uh, God has opened my eyes to the realization that um, even after all the growing that I've done this year, um, my identity was not in Christ. Uh, my identity was, um, and my hope was in uh, all the ways that I could grow, all the ways I could improve, and all the ways I could become a better person. And um, right now, like I shared in my community group, I'm in a place where um, even all the growing, even all the learning, even all the application, uh, I'm still hurt. I'm still disappointed. Um, I'm still rejected. And uh, so that hope that I cleverly disguised as Jesus, uh, it didn't, it's really not working out for me right now. Um, and so I think of the bullet point from one of the sermons from the Wandering Home series, uh, I have to pivot from what must I do to where is God in this? And that is where I'm at. Um, I'm still in the middle of this testimony. I'm not at the end. I don't have a really great story about like the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm angry. I'm afraid. Uh, my coping mechanism that I've used for 29 years uh, has fallen beneath my feet. Um, but God has shown me, well, <laughs> I wrote, he shows up, so I can't use that language anymore. <laughs> we know what you mean. I mean, he does and he doesn't. Yeah, so, um, but really, um, yeah, I said he shows up and meets me where I'm at, even when I don't want to meet me where I'm at, but um, really just, again, talking to with my community group, I'm like, I'm showing up out of bitterness, I'm showing out of out of obligation and just knowing that this is what I should do and God still uh, is there in every single moment and he doesn't care about how much I know he doesn't care about how much I've improved like he just wants me as I am and um, there's no need for me to hide those parts away the parts that need work so thank you well we'll do a we'll do a couple sp spontaneous ones did you want to come up all right, yeah. come on. What's going well? What's your name? My name is Joey, and I'm incredibly shy. This is my nightmare. Um, well, you're wearing a mask, so it's, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a defense. Um, <laughs> so uh, first, I'm, first I'm here. Um, and uh, oh, that's why I said that for the applause, clearly. Um, so 2021 has been a nightmare. It's been kind of the book, uh, first uh, chapters of the book of Job in slow motion. It's sucked. It has sucked. Um, and most of the tools that I used to use to get through things have not worked. Um, and what the Holy Spirit has been telling me, and I hate this phrase, but he keeps saying it. It's like, it, well, I'm, I'm sure you guys have had that as, as well, when the Holy Spirit is like this, this, you know, dude, quit. You know, <laughs> leave me alone. But uh, he keeps telling me that he's blessing me with a dismantling. Um, I hate it. 
but it's right. It's, it's the whole thing about uh, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. And so, like, the old wineskins has to go away. Um, and all the things I used to, you know, I'll get out my scriptures and I'll do my confessions and I'll say, if I don't have peace, I'm going to do all my peace scriptures. And uh, that is a good and right thing to do. But there's a, there's a point at which I, I've found that I'm not connected with that peace in a way that's not mechanical. That's not me acting and not me saying, okay, I did my scriptures, so therefore I'm going to have peace. So anyway, so yeah, I've been blessed with the dismantling, and like the, the last person said, I'm, I'm in process. Um, I'm still looking for that hope that anchors a soul. It's not anchored right now. It's a mess. Um, but um, what, what this year has caused me to do is to dig further into the relationship. I grew up, I grew up Baptist, so there's the shoulds, there's the oughts. Show up to, show up to church. You do the things, and you're, and you're right. Um, that stopped working, you know. So anyway, uh, so I, you know, first time here, and I saw the thing about 2021 and um, reflecting on the year, and I'm just, I don't want to think about it, you know. It's that bad. It's that bad. But, uh, but there's peace that passes my understanding of what this year is. Uh, there is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Um, and there is the hope that is the anchor to the soul. So, yeah, I'm in process, and that's where I'm digging. So that's what I'm sure. Well, you're in the right place. Um, we'll open it up just for, like, we're kind of running a little bit long, but I think this is a holy moment. So uh, just, like, a couple people. Does anybody feel like they have something to share or... Um, the Lord has placed it upon them to, to bring us a word. And I love that even some of them are like, I'm still in process. Like, that's a very powerful testimony. Hodges. Um, well, most of you know that we moved from Montreal about a year and a bit ago. Um, just got rid of all our stuff and left everything. Well, mostly everything that I loved. And Victoria is kind of like, she's back home and she loves this, but... Um, one of the things that I'm always kind of hung up on, but over this past year was got re very real to me, is um, the first question that Jesus asks in the Gospel of John is to Nathaniel, and he asks him, what do you want? And it, it's all about desire. And I've always kind of been hung up on the, the question of what do you want? Like, what are you desiring? And that's the Holy Spirit just asking you, what do you want out of this? What do you want? And when the question came up a year and a bit ago, um, you know, like about moving here, moving down here, it was, it was that question that came up. It was like, what do you want out of this? And there were so many things that I wanted out of this. I mean, I had just came into like what was shaping up to be my dream job in Montreal. And so leaving that felt like I was just leaving everything that I had worked for so hard for to get to and and so the whole what do you want thing was like well I just want to stay you know I just want to stay here like I don't want to go like you're gonna have to literally physically do something or orchestrate something to move me out of here you know because I love this city love the culture I have a heart for the church here you know I don't want to go to America in the middle of all of this you know even though there anybody are else, anybody else, I don't want to go to America and I live here. <laughs> Even though there are beaches, it's sunny, like, yeah, sure, whatever. You know, I grew up on the mountains. I'm cool with snow. Like right now, I'm really like, you know, heartbroken that, you know, snow's not on the ground. And I'm not looking at it. And, and I'm, not, I'm not listening to, anyways, elephant, uh, Nat King Cole, you know, on vinyl looking at snow falling down the ground. It's terrible. It's so tragic. Anyways, <laughs> so what do you want? And this needs to be in a minute, right? It, it was just like, I had to give everything up to come here, be, believing that Jesus knew what I deeply, deeply wanted. Like, it was, it was b beneath all of my, like, temporal desires of, like, this is what I think I want. He knows what I want, so I needed to trust him in that. And then last week, we were sitting in our community group, 
and it just fell silent. It just fell silent for a good, a good minute. And all I could say like, was just, God, you are so good. I've waited so long for this. You know, so long. Like my wife and I, we, we dreamed of that. We hungered for a community that could just sit in the presence of God and just say that he's good despite of everything that was going on in our lives, which is like a lot of it is ugly. A lot of it is challenging. A lot, but we could just sit there in silence and just say that he's good. So I just got up and I was like, man, I've been waiting so long for this. You know, it's just incredible. Like, to just taste and see that the Lord is good, you know? And that's, that's what my year has been like, coming around. Um, on the other side of this, it's like, yeah, I gave up everything to come move here, but he's restored it to me, like, in ways that I couldn't even imagine, like, or orchestrate my own might, you know? It's just, I just look at my life, and I'm like, what is this like, you know? How did we get here? You know, like, how did we get, like, honestly, I'm mind blown Are you, every You're day. quoting the talking heads right now. I mean, Johnny was, Johnny was, like, immediately with you. He's like, I got this one. Thanks, Jonathan. So, what God has done in 2021 for me is, kind of the backstory would be that I think most of my life I've taken... I've taken, I've wanted to be taken so seriously. Even as a child, like people always thought of me as like, you're an incredibly intense, serious little five-year-old. And uh, even as a teenager, it was just, I, I wanted so hard to be taken so seriously. And I was that, and even in my church, I worked hard for that. And the thing about deconstructing is that suddenly all those belief systems, you realize that you, you you have to let go of them, so you have to stop taking them so seriously. And in the process, the people around you who still take them seriously stop taking you seriously. And that has been really hard for me. And uh, I think 2021 has been a time where I've stopped taking myself so seriously, my story so seriously, what everyone around me thinks so seriously. And that has given a lot of room for me to take God more seriously. That's my story for 2021. I'm going to invite the praise team to come on up. Normally we have like really smooth transitions where there's like a tone, a single tone fills the air. I'm just going to call them up today. Um, I hope you're encouraged by some of these stories. You know, I hear in these stories uh, what we've been talking about this whole year, um, especially in this most recent season. Uh, orientation. We've all grown up having this sense of self and God and the world built for us by our families of origin, our culture of origin. Um, disorientation, where the things that worked for a certain amount of time all of a sudden stop working. And we don't know what to do. Um, but for many of us, learning, well, well, actually, God is still present in that, in the disorientation. And in fact, many of us, our friends, our families, whatever, it's like when we hit the disorientation, that means that faith must not be working because faith is certainty. And now I'm not certain, so now I don't have faith. That's how the narrative often goes. But I think for many of us, we're learning, even in those seasons of disorientation, whether it's like, you know, a million micro, micro disorientations or one big kind of existential crisis, how do we stay present? How do we continue to participate? How do we bind ourselves to one another uh, to believe that even in the midst of uh, the, the doubt and the questioning and the lows, like God is still present in that because the best picture we have of what God is like is God on a cross, like God dying for us. You know, like that's, that's when we think about our faith, that's what we look at. And then believing that through that comes reorientation, new understanding, broader understanding of what God is truly like, of who we really are, of how the world really works. And as we've said many times before in this, this idea of orientation, disorientation, reorientation, there's another way to say it, and it's the way we've been saying it for thousands of years, life, death, and resurrection. 
because there's only ever been one story in the whole universe, and it's the story of Christ. So I want to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing, and we're just going to kind of believe that God may still have things that he wants to sort out with you, and you're free to do that. Feel free to turn to the person next to you and be say, hey, you know, I, I need some prayer right now. I just need to share something. Whatever it might be, this space is for you, uh, but we're going to sing together, uh, and then I'll uh, release us to go and picnic together where we can carry on the conversation. Um, so, Father, I thank you so much for this time and this space and this moment. Um, I thank you for this, the countless stories in this space right now that are all being gathered up into your one uh, beautiful, big story. God, I pray that we would never become so stagnant and unreflective, that we become uninteresting people. But as we continue to diligently seek your face, as we link arms with one another, as we journey together into your kingdom, I pray that more and more stories would arise that give us courage, that give us inspiration, that speak so beautifully to where we might be at in this present moment so we can continue to believe that all comes from you and all flows back to you. Speak to us, Lord, for we're listening. Amen. Let's worship. This has been the City Beautiful Church podcast. To stay connected, follow us on social everywhere at City Beautiful CH. We hope you join us again soon.